this is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my established, my esteemed, not my established, but it is established that you're my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Adrian and Doug. Gang, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, all you mutant goons from beyond. I am esteemed. I'm a steamed carrot, a steamed waxing carrot. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you guys missed that the past two weeks, right? Oh, yeah, we missed it a lot. Actually, yeah, none of us say that except for Doug. That's so funny. It's his little saying. Um, oh, hey, guys, it's Aid. How y'all doing? Well, my two co-hosts, and I hope everyone at home is doing fantastic because it's October. She says with a glass of wine, white knuckle clutched in her hand because Halloween can't come close enough. <laughs> well, yeah, I need wine after my job. So there you go. Okay, so now we've established Doug's catchphrase and Adrian's. I need wine after my job. We'll make a shirt for that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, drinking wine after that job is probably a lot better. You, you know, I've seen a lot of these uh, middle-aged, angry white women with Dolce and Gabbana sunglasses carrying wine and talking with their golden retriever dog saying, Come, Vanity, this is the pretty poor area. You know, so you, you could be one of those ladies. But no, you are aid. You're, you're, you're our own aid. Great. Yeah, well, I oh, we made a live slash love T-shirt with red wine on it, so that's my that's like you know an homage to me, or I thought, right? Yeah, because, thank you. It was us mocking just, because it was like I know you're like that type of person, but cool. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. you're like a balanced diet is the piece of chocolate in each hand, but like you would say, like a balanced diet is a piece of chocolate in one hand and a DVD of Blood Diner in the other. Yeah. And, and a glass of wine in front of me. In one of those beer hats with the or straws. Oh, yeah, yeah. We could put the bottle of wine in the straw and that'd be that. Do you do, do you drink wine out of a, a straw? I, I think it's it's taboo to drink alcohol through a straw generally because it gets you tipsy faster. Is that my understanding? It, it's supposed to. I don't know if that's a myth or not, but Doug, I, I don't know if you remember back in the day because Jake does not drink, but... Whenever we would drink anything out of with a straw, we would always be like wasted earlier. But I don't know if that was like in our heads. Is that scientific? No. Well, uh, here's my opinion on it. It gives you less uh, yellowish teeth, to be honest. But, but that's all that stuff's going straight to your throat. You know what I mean? So it doesn't give your mouth uh, or your savory glands. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to sound like PBS here. You know, the, the amount well, of time you're like, oh, this is alcohol. So my, my brain has to process it. No, you just chug it all down. That's why people get drunk off of shotgunning beer, you know? Well, and also, oh, yeah, if they don't like the taste true. of alcohol, it gets over the teeth, through the gums, and beyond the tongue, and then they just drink more of it. I'll never forget, I was at a house party one time, and they thought it would be funny to give the straight-edge guy jello shots, because like, we made <gasps> two kinds, okay? There's some with alcohol and some without, so we'll see all the people who are posers. And I was like, okay, but the jello is still not vegan, so I'm still not going mm. to eat them. And it, like, it was a thing. That's all I remember from that night because it's just kept coming up. And I was like, I don't understand how this is so important to you. Well, I think it's if you're at a party that you're, people are drinking at, like, you know, you're expected to drink. Like, I mean, if you're at an 8 a meeting, then obviously you're not, you know, nobody expects you. But you are expected to drink the shitty coffee. If you've ever gone to an AA meeting, which I have before, <laughs> don't ask me why. <laughs> but not because I have a problem, but because I got caught drinking on campus underage. It was a whole thing. The Anyways. first step to it, it recovery is admitting you have a problem. We just mentioned your white knuckle clutched wine. You realize this. <laughs> 
like 20. Anyways, so I had to go and listen to these horrible stories. And like, everybody literally has the worst story. It's like, oh my God, did you write it like a memoir? Like you did all of these horrible things? Then my um, grandma was a techno sh- 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 uh, car yes. shark attack. And then my house was set on fire, but I'm here and I'm not an alcoholic anymore. You I know, know. And the thing is, I'm not allowed to go to AA meetings. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my mom told me to one of them. <laughs> my mom told me to one of them. <laughs> Who declared this? There's the Grand AA Sultan of AA. The ones with the, the – well, basically what happened was they got mad at me and they're like, you know, he's not welcome back anymore. All I did, I didn't know I was being rude. I went there and everyone's like, hello, my name's uh, so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. Hello, my name's Terry. I'm an alcoholic. And I went, hi, my name's Doug. I'm not an alcoholic, just so everyone knows. Oh. And everyone got mad at me. They had their hands on their hips, like, what, what does he think they're better than I legitimately so. thought you were going to say, "I my name is Chicken Chicken Slim Shady, but it's okay. That would have been a lot cooler. I think they would have got the yeah, reference more. They shouldn't have judged you for that, because you're allowed to go. Anyone's allowed to go. Like, you're allowed to go if you need, if you're there in support of somebody. So, like, you don't have to share a bad story. I didn't have a bad story. I just got caught drinking at the tailgate at college and i got in trouble that's a bad story yes <laughs> well i mean yeah, you, but- your bad stories would have made people laugh i think you know i was dying laughing so was you hired for 20 minutes with your whole thing it's like so what is a life worth to you <laughs> if, if a gun was on dan's head <gasps> oh my I'm god sorry, I'm giving me. i just imagine you like crying and like taking off your clothes slowly and i'm like oh, I was this so, one's dark <laughs> i will never forgive you jake for that i'm still upset over that was it my fault you're the one who went to like the deepest like let's take because you said you were being serious and you got really like quiet like you yeah, start talking because like i'm a this. fucking idiot and you've mm. listened to every episode of the show and been on fucking half of them have i ever been serious in the entirety of the show well for once i was just i you know i was taking it at face value i wasn't drinking wine that day so <laughs> maybe something that's way why. harder fucking varnish <laughs> no. or something am i right no i wasn't drinking at all like i don't drink all the time i just had a bad day so here we go okay so anyway. do you want to go through the list of things that you determine if you're an alcoholic because drinking to change your mood is like number one on that list no, it doesn't change my mood. It's but just like you're talking about having a bad day and correlating about drinking, which means you're kind of planning it out, which I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but you kind of just admitted that publicly. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, you just come to the AA slash intervention of Slashers podcast because I'm just going to sit here quietly now. No, well, yeah, you just quietly because you're sipping. <laughs> I'm the Kermit meme. Yeah. Uh, anyway. As an attorney, I have to do drug and alcohol counseling every time I, you know, do my continuing legal education. You know how fucking annoying it is to be the straight edge guy who's never had a, a drink, and I'm listening to people who are like, "Oh yeah, I killed a family of six, and uh, I lost my law license. I had to suck dick and be a homeless person for a few years, but I figured it out, and I'm here to warn you of the dangers." I'm like, I know the dangers. I'm addicted to everything, dickhead. That's why I don't do any of it. Mm. Well, well, why are they gonna have addicted to um, pocket minis? yeah honestly like i have my i so i hacked my 3ds or or i i did not hack my 3ds it uh it just it has other games that are there and i like my wife was making fun of me the other day because like oh you keep downloading all these games you don't you don't play all of them it's like an addiction and i was like oh um actually if you'd like to look at my save data on each of them i played each of them i didn't tell her i only play tested them but I'm literally having a problem. Well, I just say, would you rather me download these games to a round file or just snort lines of coke right here and then do? 
Oh, I should have brought you. So we had an assembly of, uh, with the kids today about drugs, and they gave all the kids a copy of this girl's diary who passed away. And she has drawings of people snorting coke across the table, but they're very good drawings. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, wasted potential. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she could have been a comic book artist. Bless her heart. Oh, my God. But, you know, like, I hate seeing things like that and then giving that to the kids because no they were not on their phones today they all had this chick's diary and they were talking about it all day they were like there is some tea in here miss so naturally i went and got a copy and yeah tds no like you spill the tea oh the cheese the cheese man the cheese man yeah well this is what we say down south you spill the tea i figure that's out of the south or the queen's english (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, we like totally got off topic here. I'm sorry. We can well, bring that's it the back. point of this month. This is Talktober, where you know we're a horror podcast all year long. So for us, when it comes to the month of October, cool. Some people might have new interest in the show because they're just in the mood. Uh, but we're doing something a little bit different, breaking from tradition. The show has been very largely structured for a long time. We're still going to have structure in these episodes, but we're going to talk and discuss and theorize and brainstorm and do some just different things instead of just doing a movie review. You know, we've long talked about it. I really think that movie reviews are kind of boring, especially when you do like a point by point analysis, like what happens. Uh, So this episode is my Talktober offering, which is reboot versus remake. And I want to talk about a bunch of horror films that, uh, you know, we had originally conceived this as what horror remakes are as good or better than the originals. And I got into that list and I'm like, this list is kind of boring. Like, these are all kind of well-trodden. But what's really interesting is looking at the mechanics that make reboots and remakes different and where each succeed. Are you guys ready to gape your buttholes and let me spit in them and then penetrate them with my words? Yes. Let's open up that spit roast. See, and then Adrian, you look so apprehensive. You're sitting there judging me with these church eyes. Come on, play the game. (laughs) Yes, please spit in everybody's butthole today, Jake. We can't wait. Spitting rhymes, son, with my (laughs) slim shady hair. Did you ever bleach your hair blonde? Yes, I have, actually. I I did it for a movie, um, The Maverick and Grundy. When that movie comes out, you'll see me bleach blonde, and I have like 40 pounds added to my neck. Nice. (laughs) Aid, have you ever been a blonde? Yes. Neat. I've been to blonde like three, four times. Like I go blonde usually in the summer. Oh. Yeah. Didn't when you this met year, me, what I was blonde. You? I just did highlights this year uh, because it's the only issue with, with being blonde is that uh, it's just a lot of upkeep, especially because my hair is so dark. That's I but had yes. the reverse problem when I used to dye my hair black when I was cool and emo and stuff. My roots would grow in like within two weeks and I'd be like, well, this is this is annoying. Yeah. Well, I better start dyeing my hair blonde or white because I'm I'm going on 31. I'm getting gray hair, so I better dye it soon. No, oh, shut up, uh, please. Wah, wah. Am I yeah. the oldest one now? We've established that I am, huh? This is bullshit. Jake, Jake, you're 87, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm 87 I'm years old. That's correct. Yeah. You don't look a day over 69. Thanks, brother. <laughs> oh, I was, I was actually watching old. something about Buck Flower the other day, and I thought about Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh no what what the, the porn stuff or like the stuff in the 80s just basically him being the universal hobo which is great i mean imagine like being typecast as the hobo that'd be awesome like imagine you're in a tuxedo with a top hat you're walking down you know hollywood boulevard and somebody comes up to you and goes hey despite this garb you're a famous hobo aren't you 
That's yeah, and it's it's funny. Just imagine walking down like Hollywood Boulevard, and it's like you know we we need a we need a role for a uh, for a for a wife beating stepdad. Oh, let's get Buck Flowers. <laughs> that, that's really what he is like in a lot right? of movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with regard to the thesis for this episode, uh, one rule I want to put in: no public domain bullshit. We're not dealing with it. We're not doing Wolfman, not doing Dracula, not doing Frankenstein, because then we'd have to do I Frankenstein, not doing Invisible Man, because then we'd have to do Hollow Man, which despite me being a Paul Verhoeven fan, not going to do it. And then there's The Mummy, which, I mean, I don't want to have to utter the name Tom Cruise on this show, so let's just (sighs) move along. You just did. Well, I will admit, Fuckenstein's a pretty good remake. (laughs) Or The Repenetrator, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the reboots that I have on the list. I, do you want me to do the thing where I say it all really quick and then I do the other one real quick and we just go point by point? Okay, yeah. More. Make okay. sure you tell us which list you're reading from. Well, naturally, tell, it's, if you looked at my audience. notes, you would see it at the top it is labeled Reboot and Remake. You have to scroll down. You have a helicopter flying over. It's the El Monte PD, so just yeah. heads up. Oh, it's okay because I just had a fire truck drive by me, so. Jesus Christ. D- Doug and I live in the ghetto. In fucking GTA, and I'm over here in Animal Crossing being like, this is neat. Yeah, but no, I'm living in the ghetto. <laughs> oh, man, you just reminded me of Bobby Womack. Across 110th Street. Anyway, uh, reboots. And if you okay. have any disputes, reboot and remake can at times get a little bit weird, but I think you can understand that I put way too much thought into each of these. Okay. Right but the, what's your oops, but, sorry. Okay. So tell everyone like what what you consider like what makes a reboot versus what makes a remake. Because remember, we have to like explain to people like if you don't understand, right? Well, I just didn't want to monologue so much. I was hoping that we would work through that together and see if you agree or dispute. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking this is an essay and you would just tell us at the beginning. It's okay. So if you want to get into like the substance of it, as an attorney, I do issue rule analysis conclusion. So I've set forth the issue. Now I'm putting forth the rule, which was going to be the type of each. Then there's the analysis and there's the conclusion. So Okay. Okay. Continue. I can also Sorry. do this CREAC, which is conclusion rule analysis. Conclusion again, which I actually prefer. So if you want, I can do that. Whatever makes you feel best. I'm going to CREAC it just for you, Aid, because I know how important it is to have structure. So <laughs> I constitute a reboot where it goes beyond simply story points. Like probably the hardest one on this list for me was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the mm. remake, because like... <laughs> The story structure is similar. It's kind of the road trip. There's the hitchhiker. So I generally kind of put that in the remake category. Reason being, there wasn't a whole lot from the original. Forgive me. It's still one of my favorite movies. But there's not a whole lot of story there to recreate. So it feels like they kind of just filled it for a modern audience. But when it comes <laughs> to like a reboot, you're talking about like a few story points that are either changed radically or done something with. A key element would be uh, Pet Cemetery. I think that the Pet Cemetery that just came out in 2019 is a reboot because it so drastically changes things when you don't have Gage be the little zombie boy. And, you know, whether it succeeds or fails kind of beside the point, but I think you can understand, like, it's the story points are the same. It's a kid. It's a kid as a zombie. It's blah, 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 blah. But the way it happens is different. And albeit even that one ends way differently. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So some of the reboots that I want to talk about. I consider Friday the 13th, 2009. Rob Zombie's Halloween, 13 Ghosts, The Blob, The Thing, The Fly, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Child's Play, Evil Dead 2013, Evil Dead 2, how about that? Piranha 3D, 
Dawn of the Dead, I Am Legend, Crazies, House of Wax, Black Christmas, Pet Cemetery, Haunting, Candyman, Leprechaun, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Shin Godzilla, and I guess I put Flatliners 2017, which is actually kind of a sequel, but yeah. So those are my reboots, especially like Shin Godzilla, where it's like, hey, wouldn't it be weird if there was a giant lizard? Then wouldn't it be weird if its tail had a face and shot lasers? A little different. And then for remakes, forgive me. The top of this list is on this list because it's emblematic of the problem. Psycho, Nightmare on Elm Street, Let the Right One In, Carrie, Hills Have Eyes, The Omen, The Grudge, The Ring, My Bloody Valentine, Willard, Night of the Living Dead from 1990 and 2006, Red Dragon, Quarantine, Amityville Horror, Suspiria, Fright Night, Maniac, Nosferatu, Poltergeist, The Fog, Wicker Man, Prom Night, and The Hitcher. So shall we just get into it? Of mm-hmm. these lists, which do you think is your favorite reboot and which do you think is your favorite remake? Ooh. Well, you want to go first, Aid? I'd like to hear your cheese before you hear my cheese. I have a feeling I know it is, but she's going to lie okay. and say it's not Rob Zombie because she wants to be cool. Well, okay. I left, I left Rob Zombie out of this because, one, I know everyone hates him and I'm going to talk a lot about him later this month. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to get into Halloween. But my favorite remake is obviously... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003. And I just wanted to make a little note because when I did my, my list, I did the years next to each other because I thought that was important. And Jake, I don't know what list I'm looking at in the drive because it's not divided. So I'm looking at like something completely off the wall. So 2003 and then the old ones, 1974. So I think it's really cool to kind of look at the the shifts and like how many years have passed because I feel like now when we're making, thank you. I feel like now when we're make, uh, remaking movies, they're happening them so quickly. Am yeah. I crazy? Okay. One, I think so, they're reactionary to each other. Like Texas Chainsaw 2003 did very well. I think it was like a $9 million budget and grossed over $100 million. So then they start dredging everything. And that's how My Bloody Valentine gets a remake, which is like, why? Like, yeah. that's the beauty of what I love about My Bloody Valentine. I've talked about it with Alan again. Always a shout out because fucking great feedback. But my favorite slasher of all time is The Miner because I love that it's this beautiful little island where I don't have to make excuses for anything. It's not like, you know, Friday the 13th, probably my second favorite with Jason Voorhees. But then I have to make excuses. I have to be like, oh, well, you know, the fucking the one with Green Jean Grey's. It's okay. Versus the yeah. one that's just, there's nothing. And then naturally, of course, they had to kind of mar that with the kid from Supernatural. Uh, well, yeah, I agree. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake reboot, Evil Dead. The 2013. 2013. I yeah. agree, wholeheartedly agree with the the actually. I think that's a fair analysis for both. If I'm honest, Doug, okay. what about yourself? Oh man, you hit the nail on the head. Though I was going to say the reboot definitely Evil Dead because I went to I went into that already with the mentality of hating it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was kind of like, oh, you know, how can I hate this? I mean, I feel like Ash could just come right up in the last scene there. Like uh, they, they teased, remember? So yeah. I'm like, you know, it's it's kind of just another people going to the camp. Same one as before. I mean, that's what Evil Dead 2 basically is, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I really like that one a lot. But in terms of like the uh, the like a remake kind of I liked the child's play. Um I'm going to call it a, a, a remake is because it's so drastically different, right? Well, that, I was, call- I was yeah. characterizing that one as a reboot. Reason reboot. being, a, reboot? Okay, like a remake, yeah. I feel like, would have to have like the character like Brad Dorif, whose soul directly goes in. But just like you, I really like that Child's Play, what I called a reboot. I love the vagueness, the ambiguity of the guy who commits suicide. Perhaps it's his soul in the doll, and that's why it doesn't work, or it's technology, or it's the cloud. 
Like there were a few things that were different. The story structure is kid gets killer doll and then they just changed basically everything else. Yeah. So the thing is, they when they did the advertisements for it, they didn't show Chucky that much. They didn't really know what it was. It was like, oh, Mark Hamill's voice and Chucky. It was just really weird. And then uh, my me, Hyra, and uh, my friend Coker, we went to go see it, and we were like, we don't even know what to think of this movie. We go in, and it's like this movie had no right to be this fun. Yeah. It's 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 super camp. It reminded me a lot of like Sleepaway Camp too. Yeah. So if you like like mm-hmm. that type of atmosphere and not necessarily atmosphere but just like the mood it gives where it's it's like the f- kills are fun the killer you like yeah you like all the characters you kind of don't want uh, the neighbor to die but but she does spoiler alert uh, i don't know it was just super fun and it had no right to be it had a great pace too because <laughs> yeah like, when you hear uh killer technology oh the cloud you're like oh fuck like that's what i was worried about i was just gonna be like fucking skynet watered down or something you know but then the way they presented it, I loved the ambiguity. Like, I thought that was way more interesting to me than a guy who gets shot in the belly putting his brain in a ghost, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really awesome. Now, in terms of remake, mm-hmm. did, did you pull up the notes? Uh, I yeah. did, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at it. And you know what I have to say? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that emo hipster that sits in the corner and like, yeah, I like, I like grudge. I got to say Halloween 2. I mean, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, but I like Halloween 2 specifically. I, I don't know. I just think those movies, it, it, people are going to hate me. They're going to want to sacrifice me to the gods or whatever. But I actually prefer Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2 over the original. So, You know, honestly, I think that people are having a very like clean palette in their analysis towards Michael Myers. I've never really been a Michael Myers guy. Like uh, Red Letter Media recently started doing a review of all of John Carpenter's works. And this guy, Rich Evans, was like, nope, like... Halloween isn't even in my top 10 and I thought that's very refreshing that people are being that honest because like unless you give it the handicap of its historical significance not that great when you look at it historically as like a a piece of film history yeah it's fucking amazing but without it you're just like it's okay like it's fine it's serviceable there's so many things that have come after it that are just like mind like I would struggle to think that somebody could watch Halloween and then my bloody Valentine and be like you know what I really want I want to watch Halloween again yeah, and, and I'll be totally honest. I ended up uh, watching it in 4K and the the original Halloween. I'm like, you know, it's it's kind of boring. Um, and the thing is, I, I prefer even when I was younger, I always preferred Halloween 2 over the original because I think that's where like it really picks up. More you know fun I mean? like, for I just, sure. Yeah, definitely. Because it's just if you've seen it, you know, all the beats and I'm sure people are just sitting there waxing their carrot. Oh, and eight. I got to say about the episode from last or the one you guys were talking about where you watched Halloween six. Mm. People are going to come attacking you if they haven't done so already. You said I watched one that I uh, Jack Sparrowed and it was uh, the one with the rune stones. That's the producer's cut. So it's not yeah. a TV cut. Um, that's and then the, what I'm saying. Yeah. And then the theatrical <laughs> and- cut was the one where he like bleeds green blood when he gets beat up by uh, Ant-Man. Yeah, like the and that's it. But Jake was trying to tell me that it was uh, made for TV, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, no. I googled it. <laughs> yeah, it's I a googled. producer's cut and then the theatrical cut, so a big difference. They'll come after you, and you know, well, slit your can you tell me style. plainly? Please come that get the producer's me. It was cut was fault. never on television ever. Then I'm know. still I never kind of it. right. Maybe never, it was. I never saw the the producer's cut until the, I'm 33 years old. I've been like, I used to have the part six, the the theatrical release on VHS. I used to watch it all the time because one, it's totally 90s. Two, I love Paul Rudd. Three, it's the goriest b- besides Rob Zombie's Halloween because the rest of them don't have a lot of gore, if you think about it. 
the and and if you listen to interviews with Mustafa Akkad, he he specifically says that he doesn't like the gore; he likes the creepiness. So when they reshot it and they put all the gore in it, they obviously did that for audiences, but they don't really have after that, except for Rob Zombie. There's really not a lot of gore in any of the Halloween films, and I think it's because Halloween is supposed to be more atmosphere and it's supposed to be scarier. And people who do prefer the first one, like I love the first one, but it's very nostalgic for me. Exactly. When when you're a kid and you're watching horror. That movie is fucking scary. When Michael gets up off the floor and those slow, creepy movements, and then he turns his head and he looks and she doesn't see it because she's got her back turned. Or like when she's in the closet, those scenes are, especially for a child, because I probably watched when I was like 11. Yeah. Especially for a kid. Imagine like this predator coming into your house and having the kids there adds another element of fear. And he gets away. That's the thing a lot of people kind of forget is it's the ambiguity of like what could be. And so that's what, like, I think they kind of ruin what like I, I've always say, like they kind of ruin it with each one. I'll give it like, I think the Halloween one and two are good, but then it kind of everything involving Michael Myers, I won't say three ruins the other ones. Cause obviously it's tangential, but yeah. I think that the idea of a creepy dude is interesting and cool. And you're right. I think the atmosphere is what's really important. And I think a huge element of Halloween is it's a very accessible movie. It's a great gateway movie for a young aspiring horror fan because you know there's nothing over it's going to make you feel queasy or like you need to go to church. And then that goddamn music is so good. And it's it's even better than and forgive me if this offends anybody, it's better than The Exorcist because Tubular Bells is an amazing song. That portion of the song which oddly enough kind of mirrors Halloween is played on like one part where the mom's walking across the street versus the theme in Halloween is like throughout the film and it builds and that ending and then it's done and you're like, oh, like you feel like that that breath of relief at the end. And then they do Ant-Man and Busta Rhymes versus Michael Myers. Well, again, I will defend those because I really do enjoy those are fun. I feel like the, my, in my opinion, the weakest sequels are four and five. But I love Danielle Harris. So if she ever hears this, I don't want her to hate me. Don't so. you have a signed picture from her? You like met I her do. and stuff. Yeah, I know. You should I know. But fucking Dan- apologize. Dan embarrassed me. He's like trying to flirt with her, and he's like, "So how old were you?" And you did. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dad. I'm like, Ugh. old enough to party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like bye. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, with with the, in terms of Halloween, I think if you're going to talk about the Rob Zombie ones, I think a lot of people like them. I enjoy them. Part two is a little weird, but oh, I, uh, love part two. See, I consider but, those to be reboots because it takes yeah. thematic elements and sure they keep names, but like, like the whole backstory and everything. It's as if you took like a story outline, you took like certain plot points, took everything else out and then put your own shit in. And frankly, that's just not what I'm interested in. You know, like mm-hmm. one criticism I'll give, I'll admit for my bloody Valentine is the end is like kind of shoehorned in where it's like, Oh, and this is the reason. Versus like Halloween where they're like adding and adding with Rob Zombies. I just don't care about that. That's why it works so well with guys like Jason Voorhees or so well with the minor or so well, even with Freddy Krueger to an extent, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think we all forgot about that remake. Well, and that one also gives a backstory for Freddy Krueger. The one thing I do like about that, though, is that it makes you wonder did he really do that to those kids? And so I think I thought that that was interesting that they introduced that, even though we still find out that in the film he did, because I feel like 
you always just assume that Freddie did all of these things based on what the parents said, but you really don't know what happened. Yeah, he wasn't convicted. That's a huge point. Exactly. And so I think it's more terrifying that the parents went and did these things because at the end of the day, you don't know like that, that I thought that the remake did a good job is like, well, you don't know if he did those things. And so that that one, I'll give it. There are a lot of horrible things. Was that a remake or reboot for you? I listed it as a remake because I think they give enough story where it's an elaboration of that story. It's not its own thing. Because like, for yeah. instance, when you look at the relationship that Michael Myers has with his uh, elder sister and everything, there's nothing that indicates he's like abused and all that kind of stuff that's in the zombie one. So I feel that's like adding story. That's not embellishing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, with Rob Zombie, he tries to make everything very gritty and disgusting. And like these people are just, he, he always has those elements in his film, save for the lords of salem so it's like these are the characters that he knows and i don't know if this is how he lives his life because he's vegan and he's been (laughs) married to the same woman forever but i he just loves to talk about like these dirty people (laughs) okay there's some credence there i think that people are disgusting as a vegan who is married to the same person for a while yeah it's fair well, no, like he's not, but I'm just saying, I feel that it's just strange that he, he, he's so one way, but all of his characters that you can, t- I, I feel that to write characters like these, you have to at least know them or to like have done these things at some point. I, he, I, especially with the devil's rejects, the way he fleshes things out. And so people want to hate on him, but he does, there are interesting things to the characters that he brings i should say i call him seriously i think of him as like horror quentin tarantino i think that like the devil's rejects is like his reservoir dog i think it's rad Mm -hmm. it's really interesting the characters are fleshed out uh the dynamics are cool i like the way they reverse it so you're cheering for people who are murderous bastards and then you're rooting against a cop i think that it's really done well the orchestration's good the fact he almost gets the entirety of freebird in is cool there's a lot of like achievement through that and it's not even like a nostalgia piece for me because that's one movie that i was watching alone you know i didn't have like parties with it or anything and but there are movies where it's a complete miss and like that's the way that quentin Tarantino was like i don't care i fucking hated the hateful eight i thought it was fucking awful and they keep talking about like expanding it and making it a TV series for Netflix. I'm like, that literally sounds like hell to me. But, you know, I love Reservoir Dogs. So it's, you keep, you know, you have to be selective now because there's so much shit. Like when I was listening to the Red Letter Media guys talk about John Carpenter, there's so much stuff to watch now. I cannot fathom a fucking reason that you go back and watch Ghost of Mars unless you're simply trying to be a completionist and watch everything that John Carpenter's ever done. Because it is a bad movie. It is a negligible movie. It left no mark on the fucking zeitgeist of horror or action or sci-fi or whatever. And so I feel like that's the way you have to kind of be with some of these, too. Yeah. Yeah. Give it 30 years. Rob Zombie and Tarantino, they'll have their own college classes after them. You know what I mean? It's like the, exploring yeah. the, the extensive history, like, like a Kubrick class or something, you know? Now let me ask you this. Who would you rather see do a Star Trek film between Rob Zombie and Quentin Tarantino? Because if I'm not mistaken, both have at least talked about it in passing. Rob Zombie, I want to hear everyone say, you fucker, hey, you fucker, hey, get down in yeah. Star Trek Bay, motherfucker. I know. Fruity he's gonna fucking have the, fruity. He's going to have Ken Forey. He's going to have Richard Brake. He's going to have Jeff Daniel Phillips. In fact, they're all here, I think, this weekend in, at a horror convention over at the Rosen Center. I'm like, oh, my God. I would just go just to meet all of them and get their autographs and take pictures. It'd be so fun. But it's literally the same people. So... I, is it, well, I'm interested to see how he's going to do with the monsters. So I guess the monsters could be on this list if we think about it. Um, 
yeah, everybody's so yeah. angry about it. And I'm, not, I'm just, I'm just like, not going to see it. That's all. Like, I, I, the monsters is like sacrosanct to me. That was my fucking thing. That was my black and white show. Like I wasn't really into Adam's family except for Raul yeah. Julia and Angelica Houston. Like that one's fucking great. Christopher Lloyd kills it. And so like when you watch that and then you go back to the show, you're like, this is fine. You know, like the comics yeah. are really good. I'll give it that. But the monsters, I loved everything. I even watched their shitty made-for-TV movies that they did that were in color and stuff. So I think I even watched, was it Jerry O'Connell was in the thing where he was supposed to be like Herman? And what the fuck was that? I don't know. That's yeah, a, well, yeah. I think you're hitting the nail on the head with these remakes and reboots where people automatically shun them and hate them before they even see anything of them because it's the nostalgic base. So that's what a lot of these things are based off of. You know, it's like, oh, I, I, I can't do it because this is my nostalgia. But, you know, maybe, you know, a younger generation might see it and discover the old ones. That's So I, I used to hate on remakes and reboots and stuff like that before. But now I realize it's like, you know, now because here's the thing, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, you know, that with the remake or, or the reboot that's out, whatever, the people still go back to the original one, even younger people. So, yeah. you know, it's still out there because well, it gives you a vested interest to give the reason to invest in the film history. I think that's a huge element because if yeah. I'm just, like I said, if I have all this fresh fucking content, if I have Squid Game coming in, why am I going to watch any of this other shit? You need the context. And so if you watch the new Halloween, you think it's even passable, well, then it gives you a reason to go back and watch the original or any of a number of these. Like, so, like, I keep saying that the Friday the 13th from 2009, people shit all over that movie. I'm sorry. That is a great movie to show someone who is finding it now. Because it gets to the fucking point, and if you like it, it's like a distillation of all the stuff you'll like, and it's done better than other ones, but here is the very short Cliff Notes version, and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the only issue that I would have with it is that I do like the fact that uh, Pamela is the murderer in the first one. Yeah. However, the remake, and when I first saw it, I fell asleep, and I don't know why, but I... It was when did they make the remake? It was 2009. 2009. So I'm pretty sure we were all drunk and we went to the movies because we were at a party. Went to the movies and so then I fell asleep. Going back to the admitting we have a problem. <laughs> hey, this was college, sir. College. Okay. This is when I had my most fun. I don't have fun anymore. I sit here and I talk to you guys. So this is my this is my entertainment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, You're the welcome. 2009 one, I'll admit with you as well, Aid, too. I, I, uh, I didn't. I didn't like it. Uh, that was back when I was still in high school. So my brother and I, I didn't have a car at the time. My brother and I, we, it was snowing in Ohio and we, we drove about, or we took the bus 15 miles out to this movie theater that was showing it early and we hated it. We were like, what the fuck is it? I mean, we, we the sex scenes were pretty cool, but other than that, I'm just like, eh, it's just, but it's just too generic. I think. I don't know. Having rewatched it, however, a few years ago, like I've, I mean, I hadn't watched it since 2009. Literally a few years ago, I watched it again. I love it now. So there's a lot of movies that I didn't like when I initially saw them, but now that I've seen them, I really do like them now. So it's just like I think your tastes change too as you get older. So when you're watching these and you're feeling nostalgic for the old one, you may love it, but then you see the new one, it's okay to like the remake or reboot people. You don't have to shit on it. You can be upset. Like I was upset about child's play because we're still making child's plays. It makes no sense for you to take the rights of part one and do a whole that like that child's play movie could have been its own fucking movie, but we have to steal. I'm quoting Jake, the metadata. There you go. Right. Cause you need Just the IP because people- if you Google search it, child's play exists. Killer doll 2019 doesn't. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it could have been a, a, a lot more, 
fun for me had it not done that, especially because I really did feel bad for the doll. Like, my God, they're being so mean to him. (laughs) But I I don't know. Dan liked it, so we'll give it that. Well, any movie that references Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 as a learning lesson is a winner in my book. There you go. And so uh, going to the Texas, do you think that there's like, does it validate a reboot or a remake if it gets its own sequel? For instance, Rob Zombie's Halloween gets a sequel. Technically, the uh, Texas Chainsaw from 2003 gets a prequel. There are a few of those. Uh, The Fly gets a sequel. Anything. Mm -hmm. The the Thing gets a prequel in The Thing. Mm -hmm. I did like that prequel. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. That was a good one. I did enjoy that one. She's pretty in that one. Um, the Hills Have Eyes has part two, which because yeah. the the remake was so good, and that's the, the thing too. Was good. Yeah, that was both, a good one. Mm-hmm. And that was both with Wes Craven, The Hills Have Eyes, and Last House and Left. Those both those remakes were so good, so much better. They brought so much to the story, cared so much more about the characters than you did in the old ones. And the old ones were like more. I felt like kind of Rob Zombie esque. Like the old ones were very rapey and just mean spirited and. Like Which keep, last house on the left? You said especially last house on the left. Yeah, no, I watched oh that and I was like, I was like, ooh, I, uh, I'm like, it, it's not that it's bad. It's just it's 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 rapey and it's it's grimy, but it's also boring. Whereas the remake, you know, I, I you won't look at a garbage disposal the same way. No, I thought it was really good, you know. And then that one kid that was remorseful, they all did a good job. I liked that one a lot. You 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 felt it more for these people than you did in the old one because you know in the old one the parents get back the the girl dies and the parents get back at them but it's you know it was a it was a more of a commentary on the war back then so I understand where Wes Craven was coming from when he made that back then but to have the remake and do it um, so much better and just just for our audience I think we needed a remake for the last house and left yeah yeah that's fair. But you you haven't seen either of them. Nope. No. Not going to do it. I know you won't watch them, which I don't. I don't. I I, I don't blame you. Um, I get it. Uh, and that's the same thing too with the Hills Have Eyes because there is rape in that in both of them as well. But yeah. in the remake, it's not as again it, they they kind of, not that they gloss over it. It happens, but it doesn't happen as overtly and in your face as Wes Craven had them happen yeah. in the old ones, which is strange because seventies you didn't think that they would do that but then again they had all those exploitation films back then too so i don't know well and there's a a difference in implication versus being overt and that's another thing when i'm talking about the distillation of like a horror film there's implied there's pacing the uh, other movies and i feel like if you throw someone modernly into an older film like i I could totally understand why somebody would watch texas chainsaw 1974 from today and be like it's just boring you know, like when you think about it, there's like barely any gore at all in that movie. It's very, very minimal. So it's incredibly tamed by today's standards. You could show that unedited on regular TV and nobody would bat an eye. So when you don't have that historical context, so you kind of need 2003 to make it, you know, trigger someone in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But see, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they um, one of our teachers in, back when I was in film class and stuff, they they showed it because the thing is the last 15 minutes of it with Sally in the house it they, they put like fear on film yeah it, it, so like when it's the close-ups of the eyes and stuff like there, there's not a movie i can really think that does that where it like shows how much and because you get anxiety like 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 watch watch the movie again with your smartwatch. watch your heart rate go up it just builds anxiety because it's like fear on you feel you feel what sally's feeling in those last 15 minutes and and i think it's i 
Yeah, because it's, it's really disgusting. And if you watch the, there's a documentary where they talk to all the actors, including, um, I think Debbie Hooper is in it and they have Gunnar Hansen and they're talking about it. That scene, all that food on the table was actually rotting because it was so hot out. Yep. And it was disgusting. Like the whole thing is just nasty. And you're si- she's sitting in there and they have her over that tub and they're hitting her over the head with the hammer and they're laughing. And it's, it is really scary because Dan was like pissed off. He's downloaded it. He's like, everyone keeps talking about this. I'm going to watch it. And I knew he was, I knew he was going to bitch in the first 20 minutes. Cause you exactly. know, it's, I knew he was going to bitch and he did, but then when it gets to the end, he's sitting there like this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I told you it's a fucked up movie. It's fucked up in different ways because the newer one is more in your face, a lot more gory. You care more over the characters. Wow. I feel like in the new one, like I really was upset when, when Kemper is, is killed first because we know that he's about to propose to Aaron. They find the ring later. I literally cry when I watch this movie, it breaks my heart. And so I feel that the remake has more, uh, elements where you actually care in the old one when the brother and the wheelchair what's his name do you remember his name oh Frank, franklin uh, franklin. <laughs> franklin when franklin gets killed i'm like oh thank god seriously yeah, everyone's like hey yeah, get franklin out of here but that's the thing like getting somebody to watch a movie nowadays without looking at their phone or being distracted by a hundred other things it's hard and Doug, yeah. I'm with you, dude. I used to watch Texas Chainsaw alone every fucking Valentine's Day. I know you'd think that it'd be MBV. No, you do Texas Chainsaw, so you're not prototypical. But it's one of my all-time favorite movies. But for me, it's like it's like foreplay. You know, you're getting me in the mood, and then you make me climax. But there are a lot of people who aren't going to even let you start fondling their genitals with your cinema. You know, unless you've given some kind of putting something out at the very beginning. And that's a little frustrating with modern pacing. Yeah, well, that's exactly how it is now. It's like it's like those douche bros that go out and they basically rub the labia on the left for about two minutes and say, did you come, baby? Because I did. You know, that's, that's cinema now. <laughs> yep. Or people who slap the vagina. Why Why yeah. in the porn is people slapping vaginas? Well, that's what they see in porn. That's you take your dick and you just slap it against the clit. It's like, is that sexy? I don't know. <sighs> anyway. Any other ones on the list that ring true to you guys as far as ones that you have? To, uh, one that I completely forgot about until I was doing my research was Red Dragon versus Manhunter. Manhunter is fucking bizarre. It becomes like a schlocky 80s detective movie. You know, the tooth fairies holding his shotgun with one hand. And it's just it's very interesting. And then Red Dragon is so fucking good. Like. For however good you think Silence of the Lambs is, I really love Red Dragon. Any other mm-hmm. ones? Ooh, well, yeah, Red Dragon. That was a man. That's you know what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for one day for them to do a Motel Hell remake to see how that goes because that's another one that uh, they were talking about remaking it for the longest time. Yep. But you know, I don't. Uh, the Blob. Okay, the Blob. That yeah. would, that would be a remake. <laughs> For it's, sure. I think that's right? fair. I had it listed as reboot just because the character development's a little bit different. But if you put it in remake, that's a tough one because it even has the homeless guy. It's got all of those beats. But I think like the twist ending also kind of changes it. But yeah. Well, it's better than the original, in my opinion. 100%. Okay. Uh, but the original is fucking boring. And, and Beware the Blob is stupid. It's stupid. Well, if we're going to get a little controversial, let's talk a little bit about um, Bambiva Horror then because a lot of people oh, fucking hate Jesus. that one. And and so I just want to, first of all, and I did make a little list of reboots that suck and let the right one in can suck my fucking dick because Chloe Grace, Grace Moretz, aside from Amityville Hunter, everything she in, is in fucking sucks. What about um, Kick-Ass? 
Kick ass sucks. No, because she's in it. I don't like her. Kick ass was fun. That's the one where you get a bunch of cops get killed along or Kick ass was okay. Kick ass too. I don't remember. Well, also you get to have the banana splits by the Dickies. I mean, come on. Well, okay, but the end people who are like, okay, so the 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 remake with. Well, they do have a, a naked Ryan Reynolds, but that's beside the point. It is scary. And I think that people are upset with with the, the remake because, you know, the, the old one is so nostalgic for them. But the old one can be considered boring. I do like the old one. I love the I love 70s horror. We know this. I just watched The Exorcist the other day and I can sit through that movie and watch every single bit of it because I love listening to the characters and I love the build up and things like that, that nature. But as far as like, the the horror aspects there's a lot of good jump scares and i know people hate that for some reason people hate jump scares and like okay i get it but at the same time like a lot of your favorites have jump scares they have jump scares in the exorcist they have jump scares in halloween they have them in uh friday the 13th they have them in nightmare on elm street like what's your fucking problem if they have a jump scare who gives a shit and then i think it I, becomes the issue of the reliance on it if you have story and jump scares i'm with you i think it's fine but if you don't yeah. have anything scary except for a loud noise and somebody screaming, I really think it's just tiresome. Well, that's Bloomhouse. So mm-hmm. go ahead and talk shit about Bloomhouse and all the crap they come out with. Right? Yeah, they follow um, us on Instagram. Don't say an unkind word. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Actually, well, I do yeah, like the to be honest, Ma. <laughs> hey, Blumhouse, Ma is one of your best movies. Do more Ma. Yeah, Ma. Okay, so good. you actually liked it because yeah. I wanted to see it and then the reviews were dog ass and i just didn't because oh, no, it's, good. It's, it's super it's, it's not it's not that it's weird it's just so different and i think people were like what i want this to be a jump scare blumhouse movie what happened I'm like no this is ma's great check it out i think it's on so, netflix ma is kind of like a reboot would you agree or disagree with me a reboot of what, heavens to betsy's what what's her name I got like baby <laughs> Jane vibes a little bit from that, but why? Why can't oh uh, misery? That's what I'm like. What I'm like quoting her. Misery? To Betsy, dirty birdie. Yeah. No, it's because not. She's, she's not Annie. Super crazy. Yeah, like she's this. Like she lures them in with her hospital hospitality. I guess the wine's kicking in. Lures them in <laughs> with her hospitality. You don't piss on hospitality. She gets, them, she gets them to like trust them, and they like rely on her and then she like slowly starts to turn and morph into this like that she's completely um obsessed with with the kids what about people under the stairs is that a better analogy yeah well ma ma was turning more into like a sex offender movie like later on when she or like an underage because she was trying to get with those kids yeah well i don't think she was trying to get with them she was she like had it in her head that she was still a kid herself Mm. and so much like annie's like Annie's delusions where she's like part of the characters in the stories that he writes. That's where I'm coming. Like I'm coming off that kind of, I, okay. I feel like they I see, got that she was idea. Trying to go after the dad of those kids. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I see. So. A fatal attraction. And what do you think of movies like swim fan? Speaking of fatal attraction, <laughs> where it's like, you just stole this fucking story. I love swim fan. It's good. <laughs> it was a great swim modernization. Fan. And you know, if I don't have to see a fake bunny put in a fake pot, I'm fine. No, but they doesn't she kill an animal in that one? Yeah, she doesn't. Up. Um, I, I think she does, right? Mm-hmm. Shut up. Oh, okay. But then we also have um, the roommate, which is the remake of Single White Female, and instead of the dog being tossed out the window, she puts the cat in the dryer. So that upsets well any animal 
but that one was really good too but that one's like super teen teeny bopper so you guys probably mm. like that one that's what i can't do the teeny <laughs> bopper stuff when they're like oh my god look at my look at my uh tumblr <laughs> get that. that's my boomer coming out uh, so yeah if you guys as an audience have anything, please let us know. I would love to know your thoughts. Now, here, here is what we talked about as far as brainstorming goes. Adrian and I talked about this in the last episode. We're going to try it out. The three of us are going to brainstorm what we think would be the ideal reboot of something that hasn't been done before. And we're going to find the ways that we think that those sh- slight shifts would work. We have a five-minute time limit. And go. Any movie that you think needs to have a reboot or could Mm, my personal opinion, I think uh, Dolly Dearest would need oh, a reboot. Shit, no. Yeah, because that's another one that I I like, but it's like it, it's like masturbating, and then you just come air, if that makes sense. Because at the end of it, it's like, no, I wanted more of this. Like you built it up so good, it's so creepy, and the last part you just blow up the fa- no, no. Like I want more, and it's a it's a killer doll movie that takes place in Mexico, which I think is even creepier you know what i mean i think we meet need more movies like filmed in like you know mexico like just just the cold kind of creepy atmosphere i'd really like to see that you know dolls possessed by the devil multiple dolls in an abandoned factory because one thing that gets to me is like is like old factory uh, equipment that's been abandoned i always think that's so creepy so if they do that now modernly i think that would be a huge thing and i'm bringing people to watch the original dolly dearest too because you get the bitch that killed selena in that movie and uh, she gets killed. <laughs> I don't remember her name, but uh, yeah, every time I see her, I'm like, oh, it's a bitch that killed Selena. Killed Selena. I know that's awful. Um, so yeah, no, I'm happy to keep really working good. on it. I was gonna say, funny enough, uh, Deadly Friend, just because I mm. think that it, it's a fine premise, just done weird. And then Alice, Sweet Alice, because like a oh. fucking decade ago, they were talking about doing a remake that like never happened. And I was super into that fucking idea because it's a very weird movie. Yeah. So let's let's stick with this. We have killer dolls. Uh, who's Adrian? Who's your celebrity casting? Who's going to voice this? The creepy doll. The creepy doll. Ooh, we have a lot of good ones. What about Jessica Chastain or something like that? Or we do we have to have a girl? We could have like a guy playing. Well, Dolly Dearest was a guy's voice. It's like, yeah. like, time to play, Jessica. She's in here with me. Yeah, like Zelda from Pet Cemetery. Boom. Mm -hmm. Get that fucking weird skeleton man. Yes, that would be so good. Um, But yeah, plot twist pans out at the end of the film, and then you realize that the doll is a girl playing in a toy box and you look down at the victims and you realize they were all dolls. That's the reboot. We did it. Really, I just came up with that hackneyed ending so that we could get to Doug's interview with Sam Hell. Doug, any cues you have to give before we give these people the succulent conversation you had with our friend? Oh, no. Well, I want to say you guys enjoy this interview with Sam Hell. Um, His new film, Let's Stop at the Morgue, is coming out soon, and the Indiegogo is live, and it's going until uh, Devil's Night, Halloween. So go ahead and give it – the movie's already shot. We just He has to get some more money so he can uh, self-distribute himself because this movie is a very graphic – extremely gory and just mean-spirited film and you know i'm i don't i didn't want to tell you how i get killed in this film but it's, it's brutal i was like whoa yeah that actually happened so enjoy this interview all right <laughs> 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Slasher's Podcast. That's right. This is the interview portion of the segment, and I know how to introduce this one, unlike Jake, who always says that, and I guess that's sort of the intro of it. Uh, I don't know how to introduce this person. It's the interview portion. But no worries, because we got a real good one for you here. And for the people that have video, we've got the man of mystery, the the, the Sam Hell of mysteries in in the world of exploitation and uh, surreal you know, and uh, extreme cinema. So if you like films, uh, you know, such as uh, a lot of unearthed films, stuff like that, flowers, you know, a lot of films I have in the background, you can't really see them, but they're there. And I, you know, there's, there's a big group of people that love films like this without further introduction. We've got our very own Sam hell, Sam hell. How are you doing today? All right. I'm just messing with filters right now. Oh, I like it. It's going in and out there. That's uh, it's the trailer one there. So it's you get, that's like the only color you really get in the in the trailer for Let's Stop at the Morgue. It's uh, the yellow font, which is pretty appealing yep. to me. So. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into it. So for the people that don't know or, or who are kind of the extreme cinema virgins, um, let's let's talk a little bit um, about uh, what extreme cinema is, because a lot of people on this podcast here listen to it and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we love, uh, you know, Friday the 13th and, and cooties and, you know, Toxic Avenger. I like. A lot of people say, I just saw Toxic Avenger for the first time. And it's the, you know, the goriest, trashiest film ever. I'm like, well, hold on a second. We got a whole basement of underground films that, you know, haven't even been unearthed yet. So, so Sam Hell, let me get a, a little introduction from you. Like, kind of like, uh, what was your, what was your foray? And like, what got you into like extreme underground films? I was the person that came to like horror late, horror late, all that stuff. Like I couldn't stomach at first. So uh, I ended up reading a bunch of articles or reviews and articles about like more unknown extreme cinema and if people don't really know what extreme cinema is i think the best way i would describe it is like hostels the beginning of it like that's the the like that hit mainstream and like anything more gory or messed up than that that's like you're leading into extreme horror now like that that's kind of my explanation of it you kind of are pushing everything to the extreme limit which it's blood it's you're using the most gore you're using the most um sleazy aspects you're using it all and before i even got to watch all that i was literally just reading reviews on it and what's the most messed up films and kind of just getting a little preview of it. And then I just dove into it after I was like, all right, well, let's watch one of these. And that's basically how I got into that. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to say yeah, hostile was a very, um, I mean, it, it definitely pushed borders cause that was like early 2000s. So, you know, like after nine 11, I felt like, you know, the saw came out all these like kind of movies like martyrs you know, all these mm-hmm. really extreme films that, uh, and then once you get into those films, then you kind of submit, that's what happened to me. Like I remember going to like cinema wasteland in Ohio. Cause I grew up there and I remember being exposed at, I think I was like, 13 or 14 when I saw tumbling doll of flesh and uh, women's flesh, my red guts of the bootleg tables. And yeah, <laughs> that's what led me into like, Oh my God, these films are like, you know, an untapped, uh, well that, you know, there's big fans for it, but you know, at the time, you know, it was kind of like hearsay. It's like, Oh, you know, this film here, here's a bootleg of that. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of how it, it like, it kind of people kind of get into it. I've never really seen someone kind of, or heard of someone just kind of start here then they saw the rest of them like saw and like hostile and like all of these other uh like more horror films i've always seen it like they started with like halloween and mm-hmm. texas chainsaw then they kind of went into the more torture porn of hostile and then they're just like oh well, this they'll find that this is like oh this re- movie looks just like that then they start going down the trail mm-hmm. um and that's yeah that's just basically how everything kind of goes with it it's mainly just like a uh falling down the rabbit hole of horror and uh 
then it just goes into like messed up cinema and weird shock films. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, out of all the stuff, Massacre Video has been putting out some stuff, but Unearth Films, you know, Stephen Byro has been like really digging through the, uh, the cesspool of like extreme films. And one, one of the ones for me, like uh, I recently watched, I, I mean, I've heard about it before was the untold story. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but uh, for yeah, me, that movie was shocking. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, that was like, I don't know why that movie got to me. Like I seen tumbling down of flesh and all these extra flowers and all that stuff. But the untold story was something. Cause you know, want to know what the, the lead actor in that he won a uh, best actor. And I'm like, man, this is like, so you can win best actor for a category three film in Hong Kong. Yeah, but I mean, I guess like everything's kind of looked at like cinema there. They don't really uh, have strange block offs of, of, you know, you don't really see a horror film in the Academy Awards. It's more of like that's a lower tier. I think mm-hmm. what the closest one, I think, uh, I mean, to my remembrance and knowledge, the closest one was uh, Del Toro's, like, uh, was Under the Water or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, The Shape of Water where the woman fucks yeah, the, the fish. Yeah, The Shape of Water. Yeah. yeah, like, that's the more, like, you're you're going into, like, more bizarre territories. Like, if it was a little bit more graphic and, like, you'll be into extreme territories, that's, like, the closest one that I've seen. Or, um, yeah, my knowledge. Yeah, well, that was like the whole in the in the nineties with Silence of the Lambs when it was it was horror, you know, break it down. Yo, it's a horror yeah, movie, and then go. they're like, no, it's a it's a it's a contemporary thriller. Like that's the only way we really yeah. get Academy Awards. They'll, they'll throw it into a drama category or something like that. Yeah, um, when you're like, this is obviously a horror film. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, that's talking about some other films, but the most exciting thing is you are that filmmaker. You are that extreme filmmaker, and I really got to say too, like, uh, you know, they. Thanks for having me in, in uh, Let's Stop at the Morgue. Like, that was a real fun one. And, you know, working with Shane Ryan and Ken May and Rebecca Vanguard, just really awesome people to work with. And uh, I'm really excited, honestly, like from all the projects I've worked on and like acted on this past year and a half, I'm most mm-hmm. excited for this one here. You know, I wasn't yeah. in, an, in an alien suit getting the shit kicked out of me. But I, uh, yeah, the, the death I die, I'm like, man, this is I'm thinking about it in real life. I'm like, that would be if if my character died in that i'm like i wouldn't want to go that way just put a bullet in my head already <laughs> yeah um i'm glad that you were a part of it too you know uh before this we were i was uh working camera on the the american guinea pig the newest one of the newest ones and yeah i asked i think yeah you asked that you know you had time to do that and i was like all right well we need people for that and um amongst the people that showed up there there was only a few that were like all about the filmmaking the rest were kind of like not to like speak with like uh, for them but it was more like chaos so there's a few of them that were kind of um ready to finish the film and i just kind of you know the, the coolest people and the people that were down to shoot something i would just pick to be in kind of this project so because i know just get done rather than halted <laughs> yeah exactly because yeah on, on guinea pig i only came for that one day for like the big uh see i don't even want to give spoilers out yet but yeah, that, yeah 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 there, there's a big scene in there and i was there for a day i mean it turned out to, it was like 5 p.m. to like five in the morning yeah it was a good day <laughs> yeah so I, I missed a lot of the drama with the the craigslist casting calls and like you people are sick what is yeah, this i would have liked to see that, that. yeah oh, yeah it was it was a bit of that and um i was i already had this film let's stop at the board kind of like sitting there in like all its weird like unfinished shape it was just point of view gore stuff and then decided to talk with ken who was also at that shoot and he was down to kind of give his time to kind of 
uh, finish it. And then it was just more like, I just started kind of grabbing people that I knew were just down for this. And I could tell they weren't like acting like everything else, like everybody else in those projects. So I was like, all right, cool. Then we can just kind of have kind of these people again, work on this project. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's almost uh, not necessarily like an actor's thing where it's like, Oh, I'm an actor. You got to get someone who like, for example, I, I know Ken, cause I've worked with him for a few years before we did mm-hmm. that one. And uh, yeah, it's just, I guess the thing is like, and, and the people that were on Let's Stop at the Morgue are filmmakers and film fa- fil- like cinema fans, almost yeah. like that. So it, it's they're like, always used to being in front of the camera or behind the camera. Like even my dad was on it; he's a photographer, so it was kind yeah. of like everybody's like been around the camera or front of it or behind it. And they understand what the the kind of art you're going for. You know what I mean? Like they understand it. It's not like, whoa, what is this? This is a little house on the prairie. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, it's the art form on that. But uh, yeah, so that that's let's stop at the Morgan. The Indiegogo is still going on. Uh, when does that end, by the way? Uh, I believe it ends on the 30th, like at midnight. So like 1159. So like the night before Halloween devil's night. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So yeah. So for you listeners out there, let's stop at the morgue is having an Indiegogo where you can get, um, the, the special Blu-rays there's uh, there's, there's perks for being in the credits as a, you know, uh, things like that. And, uh, there's shirts and the, the roster is even goes on higher. I should have it in front of me. But, yeah. Uh, I should have it in front of me too. I don't even know why. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so let's hop at the morgue is, uh, uh, more of a, I guess it's extreme. I mean, there's a lot of gore in it, more gore than there needs to be. It does play on a dark comedy type, weird, strange horror film, but, um, it's a finished film. So it's not like most Indiegogos where, you know, you're paying for a film to be kind of made and then edited and then puts a disc so you can get to it it's a finished film so every the blu-ray will be shipped out like two months after this is once the disc manufacturers come back uh to bring me the disc and there's special thanks credits uh at the end of the dvd you'll see your name at special thanks because you gave money to help this and uh yeah there's two different covers of the blu-ray and the dvd cover that will be hopefully drawn out by an artist that we use constantly silas uh, silas david massoff good artist and Right now, this is kind of like the only way to get the film because I don't know where I will put it up afterwards because a lot of my stuff is X-rated and for 18, uh, 18 plus people. And this is like a rated R film. So I kind of don't want to send anybody to the sites that's for like adults to buy a rated R film. So, okay. That makes sense then. So yeah, I, um, well, I happened to, that's, I think that's how I found out about your stuff too, was, um, uh, what was it? It was spit and a sea of blood. Mm-hmm. So that was on the, so it's a baroquehouse.com. So if you guys are interested in, in that, in that route, so I feel like there's two Sam Hells, you know what I mean? It's like, which route you want to go X rated or R rated. So you make, your yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just more of like the content that like I found extreme horror with, I finally was able to do because uh, like I said, the, the reviews I read first, they were tumbling doll and woman's flesh as well. And they're very, extreme a very uh there are pornographic they're made by a side label of a porn company and they i felt like those were the ones that uh those type of films weren't being made around this time like um some people were doing fetish stuff and then some people were kind of like adding fetish to horror but no one was really doing adult cinema again mixed with horror if they were it was kind of like a cheesy parody Mm. so i kind of yeah just wanted to make um, like horror films with just everything's kind of explicit across the board. 
And yeah, I did those for a while. And then um, now I just kind of wanted to bring it back to like a more wider audience where like, you know, uh, it's like PG-13, not PG-13, it's definitely rated R because there is just graphic stuff in it. But it is nothing to like warrant the X-rated label. So it's a little bit, I guess, tamer in comparison to graphic sex. But outside of that, there's nothing really different. <laughs> it's still graphic. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like I said, and it's going for So the whole film is black and white, correct? For right now, yeah. Okay, um, cool. I didn't want it to be like a weird marketing thing where everything's in black and white. Then you get the film and it's like, well, it's in color. <laughs> but for the most part, everything's in black and white. It's just more of like, I think I've done one horror project where it was like, it was in black and white and I still liked it. Like there's still a lot of gore and blood in this and you can see it. And it looks kind of like, I guess, way more messed up in black and white. So I dug it. <laughs> yeah. Black and white definitely gives that more grimy feeling. Like for, for example, like the, I don't know, just, just blood. And then like the dirty areas, like if you're in a warehouse or something, it just makes it look so much nastier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like three stooges always look kind of dirty. And then I watched it in color and it's just not the same. I'm like, yeah, go, yeah, go back to black and on, white. yeah, I grew up in the three stooges too. And it was like, when I saw the color, I was like, this is weird. Like it doesn't even like it doesn't fit like what I'm used to, but like with this black and white, uh, with this, like, I don't know, it just kind of, it started with that way when I was just doing the gore stuff myself and I catered the gore to being shot in black and white. So I kind of just got the darkest blood against like the whitest, the whitest background and stuff like that. So I just kind of continued it all the way through uh, with clothing and lights and making sure certain, certain stuff is lighted um, correctly. It, it just gives a different thing to something that's supposed to be, uh, like graphic horror and graphic gore. Like you don't really expect something with so much of that to be kind of pulled of color. So I think it'll give a different look to it. Yeah, well, definitely. And then you, you got me thinking too, like, uh, for example, the whole thing with like uh kind of, kind of like X rated horror and stuff where it's, where it's more serious and extreme. Like you said, I can't think of any new filmmakers besides you. That's really doing this stuff Yeah, I mean, do you know of any other filmmaker off the top of your head? I know a lot of the films that unearth puts out. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like 29 needles, uh, that's Scott Philip Gorgons, I believe his last name is said that unearth put out. There's definitely a like adult content in it. And I know he t- it took him like 10 years to film it. Mm-hmm. So technically, yeah, he was kind of doing this before, but it just like the final product just ended 10 years. Like that's when he finished it. Uh, C. Huston from Tomorrow Productions. That's another uh, one. He did portraits of Andrea Palmer. Mm. And that one's a dark like drama uh, film that caters around a porn star and, and that keeps the porn adult content in it. Um, the rest, I, I, it's more of like, they've added the fetish aspect. Well, just like nudity and like a certain fetish, then mixing it in with horror, but nothing to the point where, you know, it's like adult actors kind of acting in a horror film. Like, uh, there's not that much of those floating around anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I was thinking, too, it's like, well, because like House on the Edge of the Park, like a lot of films that had David Hess back in the day, I felt like he always like he was always in those extreme films with, uh, you know, j- just the content you wouldn't see because David Hess used to do I think he used to do porn, too, if I'm correct. Um, I maybe like in the start of his career, I'm not really sure. I know uh, he was uh, basically the more crazier actor that was down to kind of uh do the scripts that some people kind of passed on mm-hmm. like you, they were all about him or they would take him to David Hess because, you know, he was just down for that. I know that, um, but I'm pretty sure he, he may have, I wouldn't have a, 
I wouldn't have like put it past. <laughs> yeah, no, see, I should have done my research here. I'm just kind of pulling it all up now. I'm like, oh yeah, I should have had this here. But yeah, so it's kind of films like that. Like I feel like definitely like with Let's Stop at the Morgue, um, you know, just the stuff I kind of seen on set. I'm like, yeah, this is, I, I got definitely vibes of like, um, not the same type of, I guess the same type of feel of like Last House on the Left where it's like just just unflinching horror. So definitely yeah. it's one of those ones, if you were to play it in the theater or something, they're like, well, you know, they have the old ladies coming out. You need to cut this. This needs to be cut. This needs to be cut. <laughs> so that, that's how I felt there. I'm like, okay, this is good progress here. And you know what? That, that was a really fun shoot too. The, you know, I, I I'm not going to give any spoilers there, but uh, you know, we had a morgue set and uh, the guy in charge of that, uh, um, the, the production place where everybody, he was just kind of shocked. He's like, Oh, Whoa, hey, that's a real uh whoa. There's yeah, some yeah. Boobs uh, here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rebecca was happy enough to play uh one of one of the bodies on the table. Rebecca Vanguard, she is an uh, she's a good friend of mine and uh an adult actress. And this is more of uh she was in our last project, Flesh Eater X, and that was a triple X uh, slasher film. And then I, I liked working with her a lot, so I kind of asked her if she wanted to be in this horror film that it's more of you know we're we're acting and uh you know it's not like um it's not her usual i guess uh uh roles that she does so she went in there and you know kind of pulled back uh there was no real nudity for her in that even in that scene um she's kind of just like a, a victim in a wrong place at the wrong time and yeah, uh, she was down to be there for actually most of the days. So I was happy for that. Yeah, that's awesome. So like I said, with with this one here, I know you've had like some uh, some definitely some some good stuff with like the Baroque house things. But I feel like let's stop at the morgue. Um, it, it'll I think it's going to take off, honestly, like because the way I see it, like on the Indiegogo and stuff, it's really like when you watch the trailer, I, I've shown people the trailer and stuff. They're like, they're like, man, this looks kind of brutal. Like, the, like this looks good. Like, I want to see this. Like, le- people are legit saying, I want to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, seeing a bit more people with that, especially because, you know, uh, the triple X stuff, it's not really for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it is definitely not um, catered to, um, to in a, like a certain eight, you only can be 18 plus to watch it or get it. So it's not really like catering uh to that it's more just you know it's it's a horror film that we put effort into being a horror film and graphic um in that sorts rather than other ways so there's more people that could like find more interest because they're not being put off by like the adult content Mm -hmm. or you know some people don't like that mixed and that's understandable but i wanted to just to kind of like bring what's kind of growing uh like behind the scenes uh production and camera and lighting back into horror that i was doing before because some of the other stuff was very like b film you know very low grade no budget stuff and i was kind of losing my eyesight back then too so a lot of it is kind of not well production wise as well so i wanted to kind of do uh what i was doing with the x-rated films just kind of you know leave the x-rated behind and kind of keep everything else graphic and take off to uh uh, see how people kind of react to something that I guess more people can see. Oh, definitely. Well, that's, I think you're making a huge uh, jump on this one here. So let's stop at the morgue. And then, um, yeah, so it, it was fun. I'm remembering too, like Co- uh, Coda Iron Bear was also in Flesh Eater X. So that was kind of yeah. fun to work with her on, on that one there. Um, yeah, she was uh, the lead in that one. And then uh, she was uh, a lead in a more shocking uh, gore porno we did uh, called Love Dump. And 
um, I kind of wanted to see her in a different role. So um, she definitely plays a uh, another person in the wrong place at the wrong time in this, mm-hmm. which is which is fun to see because uh, everybody kind of knows her. Everybody who knows my films know her as like a hardcore killer. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's kind of interesting, and I think that's honestly even scary too, because you know a lot of these uh, a lot of films nowadays when you watch them, they're like, oh, you know, this person that's going to get killed. They either had it coming or they had some sort of like they did something to get that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like on all your films, like, oh, they had sex or they they did this or they swindled someone out of money. No, this is just wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. So I actually like always like that horror. Like that's why I kind of like, I guess, favored Halloween to Friday the 13th, because I feel like Friday the 13th, they were like teens like going somewhere where they shouldn't be. And then something happens to them while Halloween just seems like people are kind of going above their like their lives on Halloween and someone's trying to just kill them because they're just in their way. I didn't like the stupid teen type mindset and Halloween kind of had less than that, Mm -hmm. in my personal opinion. So, I mean, that's kind of how I kept it. Let's stop at the morgue. Like no one's like wanting to be killed. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, going into the wrong place to be killed, you know? Yeah, exactly. That same thing with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, oh, well, you you basically home invaded them. You know, they yeah. weren't doing anything to you. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of like films that I'm like, well, you can't really like, I mean, like there's um some that are just like they attacked the killer and then now it's like the killer has them in their attention. It's like, ah, I mean, I like like obviously they're just gonna get you kind of just gave away that they're just gonna be killed. I just kind of like people that uh or films that are more based in the eyes of serial killers while well, like the most mindset of serial killers that they they either have a person they want to kill like a type or it's just random mm-hmm. for the most part and i just kind of like that idea that it was just the most random people the more people that just kind of were in a place they like needed to be or a safe place and they just kind of turned into being at the wrong place at the wrong time yeah well that's i guess that kind of fits with the shirt i'm wearing uh one of my favorite movies is the strangers the original yeah one. and uh, that movie is just horrifying because really like the end of that one when they say like oh why are you doing this oh because you were home yeah you know i mean like that's that's kind of how i feel like the the killer and let's stop at the morgue is it's just like well <laughs> you're in my way you know what i mean yeah um let's stop at the morgue basically uh about a morgue worker who i guess like his secret is he's a serial killer kind of using his autopsy skills to kind of fuck with corpses that he has or messes with corpses that like you know he's of victims he's put down or just taking things home and then it's since he lives in like a small town there's no one really looking into what he's doing until uh, a detective who's played by Shane Ryan is kind of like there to kind of expose him. And and throughout the film, you kind of see that, like, you know, he's like the only one, I guess, who cares is going to these places to kind of figure out who's doing it. And um, that's kind of more of where it kind of leaves the horror and goes into a different kind of genre or a different type of aspect of uh, that. It's not just a straight, like brutal killing uh, type film. It's more of a, like more of like yeah a weird thriller dark comedy slasher gore film okay well awesome so yeah once again listeners uh let's stop in the morgue indiegogo uh you know you have until uh devil's night uh 
to uh, to contribute and you get a lot of good perks and everything like that. So definitely, you know, all this stuff is going to go into, uh, you know, fund, funding of the next film, I'm sure, you know, the DVD signings. And, uh, you know, I happen to notice, too. Mr. Sam Hell, you are a camera aficionado. You know, I see. Yeah, I see the cameras all the time. I'm like, man, this guy knows his lenses. He knows his cameras. The black magic. So, what camera did you use to film? Uh, Let's stop at the morgue. Like to do most of the gore shots that I had, I did point of view. I started on like a Panasonic uh, camcorder. I'm like blanking on the name right now because those all those have these weird long lettered mm-hmm. names after them. But uh, it was just a full HD uh, Panasonic camcorder. And then uh, once we got back into it, I had my hands on uh, the Blackmagic uh, 6K Pro. So we filmed a majority with that because the gore I shot kind of was just like threaded in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually, yeah, I had you as a B camera uh, operating the Red Raven um, for a lot of the, I guess, close-up shots since I was filming more of the wild camera, which mm-hmm. is what I call it. Um, which is like uh, if you've seen Bontree or anything like that, it's just kind of floating main camera. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, for the most part, it's been a black magic and then also like a red rate and that we've been uh, shooting all these weird, gory images with. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. So yeah, definitely. If you guys contribute to the Indiegogo, get that Blu-ray because, you know, it'll definitely look nice upscaled to a 4K TV. So trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, we're, we're, I'm like chipping away. Uh, it, is, it is a shot finished film, but you know, during this time of it being funded, yeah, so the money is going to another film, but like you're buying a kind of finished mm-hmm. film. But every time like I sit here, I kind of chip away at like, more editing and like few things that you know to try to make it look as best as flow as best as possible so like yeah the the finished film i have right now may be even better as the more as the time goes on as i continue to chip away at it but uh so far all the images have been pretty spot on and uh, as well as the sound design Awesome. All right. Well, um, cut, cutting down into that time there before uh, Zoom kicks me off here. But I got to say, too, since we talk about movies a lot on this podcast, what is one of your all time favorite movies or the most inspirational movie to you? Uh, oh, I would just say my favorite is uh, Possession of 1981. Mm. With, uh, yeah, that's uh, when it comes to horror and mostly cinema. It's I would stay with that. It doesn't really inspire because it just kind of makes me feel like I like got to be on a different level to shoot something like that. Um, or even uh, for all time, just favorite films, I would say uh, the Swedish, I believe it's Swedish, um, uh, full uh, girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy. Mm, yeah. Um, that one is uh, one of the favorites of mine and it keeps with the, the, the weird uh, detective story and all that stuff as well. So it fits real well into like the stuff that I'm into. Nice. Yeah, I it's Swedish. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I think it's sweet. Yeah, that one. Uh, I'm sure they did. A, they tried to do an American remake, didn't they? I don't... Uh, yes, there there is a uh, uh, an American remake. Uh, yeah, the novel was a Swedish author, and I believe they did it in Sweden. Uh, the the main thing, but then yeah, Fincher did the American version. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh we got a few more minutes here, but uh yeah, so this has been our interview with Sam Hell. Like I said, you can uh, definitely check out the 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 more X-rated stuff on a baroquehouse.com. Um yeah, definitely support that, you know. It all goes to the independent filmmakers like Sam Hell here, so keep independent films alive. And uh you know, definitely check out the Let's Stop at the Morgan Indiegogo. So <laughs> 
Yeah. Anything else you wanted to shout out, uh, Sam Hill? No, I mean, let's stop at the morgue is the more, I guess, newer film, but at the same time, we are, we also released a X-rated slasher films, a serial killer film, same thing too, to kind of cater to the 18 plus audience. And then this is more catering to like the rated R audience. Both are available to pre-order right now. I'm shipping out uh, the serial killer film, Flesh Eater X, the X-rated one uh, in the coming days. And then it's full on focus to let's stop at the morgue. So, <laughs> okay. Awesome. And then uh, another plug too. did you, you, you had a book, right? Like a photo book or, um, or was that like just limited? Uh, I saw something you posted on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, uh, there is a digital, I mean, I'm working on a couple books, but like there is a uh, digital art book that I'm putting out for, uh, uh, just digital art that, that's been done by a couple of creators. And, um, after that, it's uh, a lot of, uh, I'm working on a book of paintings and drawings I've done as well. Um, that should be coming towards it later the year, early next year. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, so we got all that going on here. We got uh, American Guinea pig six that, uh, that Sam held did the, uh, the, the camera work for. So I'm really excited and you get to, well, I think you get to see my schlong. I don't know. I went full GG Allen on that. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, the Guinea pig film is, uh, it's leaps and bounds of in front of the other American Guinea pig films of, uh, messed upness. And I guess that's why people think I'm, I directed it or something, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, you were there. There was, uh, a lot of, uh, what the, what is going on type stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so. it's fun. You want to know for the people that like that kind of cinema, it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, let's make it as crazy as possible. And you get the other people that are like, ah, what, what? No, I'm no, I'm an actor. I can't, you know, I can't see this stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was definitely acting. one of the more, yeah, it's definitely more of the, the most, bizarre uh entries in there and uh yeah um a lot of strange things happened on set so if it gets to the behind the scenes it, that alone should be uh the behind the scenes should be like a let like enough to kind of be like what is happening <laughs> uh well yeah there's definitely a fun time so yeah so you guys pay attention when uh when American Guinea Pig Six comes out here, so it's you know, it's yeah, it's, real craziness behind the camera. Yeah, it's either it's either going to be five or six. They're kind of shooting, I think, back to back. So okay, it'll be one of them. It'll be one of them. All right, there we go. All right, so well, that concludes our uh, interview with Sam Hell. So I'm going to cut back over to Jake and uh, Aid, and let's enjoy the rest of the show, guys. And we're back from Doug. Doug, how do you think you did, Doug? I don't know. I said a lot of oohs and ums, and uh, I, I'm a, like a much more a fatter Al Roker, I think, in, oh my in terms God. of interviews there. So, <laughs> No, you're not. You're svelte, little hunky boy. And if I wanted to see your svelte, hunky boy body on, let's say, a television, how would I do that? Yes. So if you have a Roku, check out uh, B-Movie TV. I host Friday Night Action at 8 p.m. And uh, this month, uh, coming up, uh, we're doing all Halloween uh, shows. I got this film called Death Blood. Uh, Death Blood 4 for my buddy Chris DePredis, who was also in Don't Touch That Dial. So his film's going to be airing uh, during Friday Night Action. And uh, as as Jake said in the last episode, uh, donate more money to our Patreon. We need it. And I'll sell you pictures of my butthole on a calendar. Yeah. I don't know. And then I, I take nude photos in a really shitty looking uh, porta potty. So if you want some pictures like that, donate to our Patreon. We'll send you a Slasher's uh, memorabilia calendar or something. How much would it take for you to give yourself a Dirty Sanchez? Uh, two bucks. Okay. Well, fuck, I have it. I'll Venmo <laughs> you right now. I also host a show on B-Movie oh, TV, no. Saturday Night Terrors on Saturday Night's Fitting Enough. Aid, how else could people support us beyond Patreon? 
Oh, they can follow us on Instagram at Slashers Pod and from beyond, as well as on Facebook at Slashers Podcast. And don't forget to buy some sweet merch. You can, well, you can't see it because it's green. (laughs) Slasherspod.redbubble.com. We've got a lot of cool new designs that Jake has up there. You guys have got to get on there and grab some cute stickers, t-shirts, hoodies because sweater weather is coming up so yay yeah i i have even more and i'm happy to post those as soon as we get people buying the ones that we have it's like one of those things like my wife criticizing me about the roms where she's like you haven't played a game so you haven't a completion yet and it's just like that until i have people adorning their titties with my art i'm not going to give you more art somebody stopped dan because they loved the shirt Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, the Slashers Slashers, of the Universe shirt. Yes, they loved it. And Dan took it upon himself. Oh, I do a podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. Slashers podcast. And like, don't tell people that it's you on there. Oh, you know what you should do? On the back of these shirts is like a QR code. Just have them scan it with their phone and go to the Slashers podcast. Funny enough, that's what I plan to do for the uh, Saturday Night Terrors. Because like our numbers really don't go up. If if you found the actual show through Saturday Night Terrors, send me an email or a message with the password blah and i'll send you a patreon <laughs> bonus because i don't feel like there's a whole lot of you know carry over from there and so i wanted to make it as easy as possible because now people know what qr codes are because they have to use them to order food at restaurants mm-hmm. yeah well i i've noticed the uh, i feel like the b movie tv crowd too a lot of people like because they buy tvs with roku built in so at one time b movie tv was offered free like when you when you get it started so it's it's a lot of boomer generation on there i know we make a lot of boomer <laughs> jokes but i feel like it's an older audience on there Oh, they're going to yeah. be indignant. They're going to want to talk to our manager, and I'm the manager, and I don't want to talk to them. But I had a pleasure talking with you guys. Stay tuned for the rest of Talktober. My name is Jake. For Doug and Adrian saying goodbye and good die. That episode was jolly good, isn't it? Das Roy Devna, Old Strap and Laddie, Saiba Slash 1000 with a bit of old hidden tracks, lad. Pip Pip Shiri on all that. Okay, I can't keep this shit up. This is Cyberslash 1000 and the reason I was temporarily British was this week's band, Mercury Rising, who has a show this Friday in London at Dublin Castle. That's like the most British sentence I've ever been programmed to say. Their track is Runaway, which rips my Yankee Doodle Dandy wide open and puts its fist inside. Enjoy and be sure to support at the links in the description. Be gone.
Run 